So that means today we're bringing this series to a close on open-handed living, uh, finding freedom in generous living. And uh, we've been doing this 30-day devotional, and uh, I know some of you have been tracking with us in the devotional or with the app, uh, 30 Days of Joyful Living, that you can still get on, you know, at the App Store or um, at uh, Google Play for your iPhone or for your Android phone. You can get that uh, and you can be tracking with us. We still have a few more days to go on that, so uh, be great for you to, uh, to follow along. You can either catch up or just pick up where we are and carry on. Um, and in conjunction with that, we've just been doing this series. Four weeks ago, we talked about the idea of imagining um, a life of freedom that comes through generous living. A life of freedom, you know, freedom from all that pressure and that worry over where are, you know, what is going to happen tomorrow. So many of us are concerned about tomorrow. We look at the, the news and we wonder, you know, is there going to be a nuclear war? Is there going to be a, uh, is, is, is the economy going to tank? Uh, what happens with interest rates? Am I going to be able to afford to buy a house? Am I going to be able to afford the house that I have? Um, how, how am I going to pay the bills? And we live under a lot of pressure. And the, and the Bible teaches us that there is a way to live above all of that. Uh, then we talked about uh, realizing your hopes and your dreams. It's possible that, you know, God has placed in your heart and in your life dreams and hopes for your future, and, uh, and you wonder, how could I ever get those things? I mean, I'm just kind of stuck where I'm at, and how can I ever do that? Well, there is a way to achieve those things. And there's a way to thrive in our life. A lot of people, a lot of Christians think, okay, I'll, I'll just kind of stick it out here on earth and I'll wait for heaven and that's when the fun will start. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said he came to give us life abundant and free. And so you can thrive in your life now as well as experience the, the joy of heaven in eternity. <clears throat> and today we turn to the word thankful. And we're going to talk about uh, the posture of living the life of thanksgiving in our lives. <clears throat> now, we're going to do this one more time. Take your hands, okay? Hold your hands out, all right? Put down your phone. <laughs> if I were sitting where you are, I'd have my phone in my hand. Um, okay, and now just squeeze as tight as you can. Squeeze as tight as you can. Are your fingernails digging in your hand? They should be. <laughs> now let go. And hold your hands open. What feels better? What feels better? The open-handed. Having your hands open, relaxed. You see, open-handed living, living, that's just a kind of a, a metaphor for what we're talking about. Living a life where our hands are open, free to give, free to receive. We're living a life where we can actually uh, interact with people and with our world around us in a way that is generous and thoughtful and also in a way that helps us to receive all of the blessings of God and the freedom to live above the worry and the, the, the fretting of our life. Well, this is Thanksgiving Sunday. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving Day here in all across Canada. And uh, people are cooking their turkeys and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but I want to ask you a question. Is it truly possible to be thankful if you're not a giving person? 
Can you have thanks without giving? When you think about that, when you think, you know, can someone really be a thankful person if they are hoarding all of their stuff? Can a person really have, live a life of gratitude if they are not open and generous towards others? Can you, be, can you have thanks without giving? I believe it's, it's, it's pretty much impossible to be a truly thankful person without first learning the art of giving. Because it really goes hand in hand. Because, you know, the Bible says it this way, freely you've received from God, now freely give. If you recognize in your life that everything that you have is a gift from God, then you'll recognize in your, in your gratitude and thankfulness to God, you'll recognize that it's his anyway, so you can be free to pass it out. And because God isn't limited in what he has to give us, then in passing it out, we're not, we're, not really, we're not really losing anything because God can just keep pouring into us. You know, some people think life is like a pie. Some of you are going to eat pie, right? Pumpkin pie. How many of you are going to have pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving, right? It's kind of traditional. Um, <clears throat> do you know how many pumpkin pies Costco sells at Thanksgiving time? It is an enormous amount. Anyway, uh, sideline. So if life is a pie and you start dividing it up, you look around the table, you say there are eight people, we'll cut the, pay, we'll cut the pie in eight, and as you dole out each piece, the pie gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then eventually it's all gone. And some people think life is like a pie. And that as you give it out, that you, you, you get less, you have less and less and less and less, and you might run out. And there's this sense of scarcity in our society that if you get too generous, if you, if you live with your hands open, you know, too much, that somehow you're going to be the one that gets left without. But that's not, not how it works in kingdom economy. You see, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about there's really two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God that Jesus represents. Jesus said when he came, he said, here is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. Come follow me, and we'll build the kingdom of God together. But the kingdom of God is radically different than the kingdom of the world, Jesus said. And when Jesus talked about the kingdom of the world, he called it mammon. He called it money. You see, because at the center of the kingdom of the world, there's a lot of things attached to the kingdom of the world, but at the center of the kingdom of the world is this, this, this uh, worship of things and money. Now, there's nothing wrong with money, but if you get too attached to money, if, you, if, if, that's, if that's the center of your life, if that's your idol, if that's what, you, that, if that's what you're consumed with in your life, Jesus said then... It, you can't really be part of the kingdom of God. Now, I, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said, you can't, if you are a servant of the kingdom of mammon, you can't be a, king, a servant of the kingdom of God because Jesus said you can't serve two masters. It's either money or it's either God. And a lot of people, they want to keep their, their, you know, their feet in both 
kingdoms because, well, there's maybe just a little bit more, it feels like a little bit more security here because the world is so focused on mammon and how to, how to, how to get it, how to keep it, how to store it. And the kingdom of God is not about getting, it's about giving. And in the kingdom of God, the thing is, though, when you're working in the economy of the kingdom of God, there is no lack of supply. It's kind of like a river. You know, you, you, you know someone is, I heard someone say recently, you know, you can never step in the same river twice. Because when you step in the river, that river passes you by as quick as anything. But there's a, a flow that keeps coming through that river. You know, you go down to the St. Lawrence River and, uh, and that water just keeps flowing. Or the Ottawa River, that water just keeps flowing. And that's how the economy of God works. When we give to God with gratitude, when we acknowledge that God is the giver of all good things in our life, and this does not just apply to money. Money is kind of the kind of the center of the system of the world, Jesus said. So that's why he talked about money. But it's not just about money. You can give all kinds of things that have no monetary value. Your time, your love, your kindness, your, your respect, your reverence, all kinds of things that you can give to people around you that don't cost financially. But if you live that kind of open-handed life, the Bible tells us that you're not going to run out. You're not going to run out. Now, this isn't something that's just part of some old teaching way back when that uh, we call uh, tithing. This is something that, uh, that, has, that, that has a theme throughout the Bible. And that theme is simply this. You cannot outgive God. You can keep dishing out that pie, and it's never going to run out. Jesus taught it. We're going to work backwards. Jesus taught it. The prophets taught it. And the Old Testament law taught it. And we could even go farther back and, uh, into the Old Testament, and Abraham lived it as well. But here's what Jesus had to say in Luke chapter 6. This is, uh, this is not an ancient law. This is part of Jesus' wisdom teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. In the same crazy sermon when Jesus said, love your enemies, he also said this. He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Can I read it again? Because this is, this is radical. This is, this is not a message of scarcity. This is not the message of mammon that says, hold on to at least some of what you have because, because if you give too much away... If you open up too much, then you're going to run short. But that's not what Jesus taught. He said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Now, this is an agricultural picture. Again, Jesus is talking to people of his time, and they, they understood agriculture because everybody was close to some kind of system of agriculture. But we don't all live on a farm, and we don't all understand what this works, what he's saying here about, you know, a good measure shaken down, pressed down. So here's what it's like. You know, if um, it's like a bag of chips. All right? Do you ever feel ripped off when you buy a bag of chips? Yeah. Because when they put the chips in the bag, they're all fluffy right up to the top. But then as it gets packed and shipped and carried and moved and, you know, from the box to the shelf, it shakes up and the chips press down. And what was a whole bag, at least this is what they tell us, is now half a bag. And if it got back to the factory where they made the chips, they could actually fill the bag with more chips. So the same is true in agriculture. So if you've got grain coming out of a, of a, of a, of a, a chute and you've got bushels, all right, or bags or whatever they use nowadays, all right, and the grain is coming, all right, and that the grain fills up, there's a lot of air in there. So now the farmer, he could be miserly and he could say, okay, here's your bushel. But a generous person would take that bushel and give it a shake, right? And that grain would settle down. Maybe a quarter, maybe a third of the bushel would become available now. And they would fill it up again and shake it. And then, you know, if he was really generous, he'd let it mound up in the center to the point where it was rolling over the side. So when God talks about our giving and our generous way of living, and he likens it to his generous way of giving, he's kind of like the second, the generous farmer. He says, if you give with a generous measure, if you give with a generous measure, you will receive with the same measure that you give. Now, this isn't some, you know, spell or incantation or some kind of magic trick that God performs. This is really a rule of life. This is a principle of life that a person who actually is generous actually is open to receive much more in their own life. But Jesus said that if we would give, that, that God will not see us stuck. He will give back to us in the same measure, the same generous measure that we give to others. Now, the prophets told this same story hundreds of years before Jesus. In, uh, in Malachi, uh, the prophet Malachi said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord. Same principle. The prophet's talking to the people of Israel, and he's saying, you know, bring 
your offerings as the law had commanded to the temple so that the, the, the work of, the, of the, the temple will be able to continue. He didn't hide that fact. He said, we, gotta, we need the, the, the temple to continue to operate, so bring your gifts, your offerings to the temple, and when, what you give to God in that way, you will not lose. You will be blessed over and over again. Now, he used this word tithe, which can literally interpret it means a tenth, 10%. But I like to think of tithes as those things that we plan and systematically give away. You see, giving is not just about the heart. And again, I'm not just talking about money. Money is, money is a big part of it because that's what Jesus said. It's the kingdom of mammon, the kingdom of God. But it's not just, what do you do with your time? Do you systematically plan to give time away to others who are in need. In other words, do you volunteer somewhere where there maybe are people that, 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 uh, that need help or need care? Or, um, you know, do, do, you take, do you plan into your life time, money, effort, emotional um, uh, capacity? Do you plan and systematically give that away? Because what God says, it's not just enough to say, you know, a lot of people say, well, I just, I like to give when my heart is moved to give. Well, that's not the way Jesus taught it. Jesus said, you know, you give that way, you won't give much. And remember, if you don't give much, there's not much to receive. You're not in a position to receive. Um, but if you give generously, then God will give generously. He's able to, because there's lots of room there to, for him to fill in. And so... When, we, when we, we give systematically and not just give when our whims are, are um, you know, when our, our sympathy or our charity is kind of awakened through, uh, you know, some picture of a starving child somewhere with a big smile and, you know, like, you know, a World Vision ad or something like that. I mean, that's, that's a, a good way for them to raise money because it works. But we who are mature and in the faith need to be giving much more on that planned and systematic way. Because that's how the kingdom operates. You see, when you actually don't just give a little bit, but you sign up with World Vision or with, uh, with uh, Compassion International or, or, or um, whatever organization, and uh, you sign up and you pay your $39 a month, what you do is you make a commitment for planned giving. And in that, you, you have made a commitment to them, you've made a commitment to God, and you will actually radically change the life of a child and their family. You'll feed them, you'll educate them, you'll provide health care for that child. As opposed to giving just here and there and here and there and here and there, uh, you know, when someone comes to your door or whatever, when someone tugs on the string of your heart, you just give a little bit every time. It's, it's, it's fine to give that way, but it doesn't have the impact of planned and regular giving. So what the prophet teaches here, is, is telling is, in line with what Jesus says. You give in a way that is um, 
is systematic and planned. God, will, God is aware of what you're doing, and he's able to restore to you way more than you've ever given away. And I could, we've had testimonies here in the last few weeks. Um, and if you haven't heard them, I believe they're online. But, uh, you know, uh, Fred and Evelyn and Teresa and Marcel uh, talked about times in their life where they were, were uh, in a crisis, lost job, uh, uh, a work accident, and they continued to plan and give according to what they believed they needed to do. And they both testified they never ran out and God has continued to bless them more than they ever imagined. Now you say, okay, pastor, you're, 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 just, you're just making a pitch for money. Well, we are going to take up a special offering today, so yeah, <laughs> I guess you could say that. But here's, here's my challenge to you, and I made this challenge at the very beginning. If you think that I'm just teaching this because I'm making a grab for money, which we as a church need in order to continue to do, complete our mission and our goals, if you think that's what it is, then I just encourage you, give it somewhere else. Start planning and systematically give it somewhere else. And do what, what Malachi says, try it. Put God to the test. The only place in Scripture where it says test God. Test in this. And you will see that you will not run short. You know, it is important for us to, uh, to give to the temple, to the church, whatever our place of worship. Um, it's a very important part of our, our spiritual disciplines. At least it has been for me. Um, Hope and I have been giving a regular amount, a minimum of 10% of all of our income uh, to, to the church and then giving, tithes, uh, giving offerings over and above that to the church and to other organizations and other, you know, we sponsor children in, uh, in, in India and in Africa and, you know, we have never, ever come up short. So I can testify to that. And it's important, you know, we as a church here have the mission and the vision to be able to reach our community. Our mission is to, is to reach uh, South Ottawa with the love of God. We want people to know that God loves them. And uh, we want to be able to continue to do that in all of our capacity. Now, that costs money for us to do. It costs money to have staff. It costs money to have this building. It costs money to, to keep the heat on and all of those things that we need to be able to do. All of that in our... We live within that economy and we have to pay for those things. And I wouldn't want to do without them. I wouldn't want to do without Pastor Nate or Pastor Eric. They're, they're on the front line of what we are doing as a church in our community. I've been coming to the church on Wednesday nights uh, the last few weeks um, to, uh, to be able to be part of the course. Um, uh, I was broke, now I'm not. And uh, so I, I'm usually not around the church on Wednesday night. Wednesday night is when uh, Pastor Nate runs a program called Reunion. It's for, um, for middle school kids, for junior highs. And I watch parents come and they drop their kids off and they sit in the foyer, they wait for their kids. And it's amazing that I don't know very many of them. And I rejoice in that fact because that means that we are actually, through our youth ministry, through our, our junior high ministry, we're actually touching people, families in the community 
Kids are coming in, learning about the love of God, worshiping the Lord, having lots of fun, getting a positive idea of what faith is all about. Heaven knows there's a lot of people out there saying that Christians are crazy, they're greedy, they're this, they're that, they're, they're bigoted, they're hateful. Isn't it wonderful to know we're able to give people an, a, a picture of Jesus that is gracious and loving and kind through ministries like our reunion program or our parents' night out or Monkey Barrel, our kids' program, our youth program, all of these things. But all of these things cost money. And our, our vision is to see that we would reach this community not by, by being the, the biggest and the best and having the flashiest light show or anything like that, though we want to do our best, we want to set the table as best we can for Sundays, but the primary way we want to equip people to be to build relationships outside the church. It's the most important thing. You're going to hear us talk about it through the Alpha series. We're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep talking about it, and we're going to keep talking about it. And some people get tired of hearing it. And they've told me they're tired of hearing it. But the truth of the matter is, until we engage with people in the world that are different than us, we have no hope for the future, for the kingdom of God and for our church. We have a vision, we have a mission, and we need people on board with us. And Jesus said that if we give to these things, and the prophet says if we give to these things, God will bless us in a systematic way, the same way we give. The same measure we use, the same measure we receive from. Then the law's teaching, of course, this is where people say, you know, well, the teaching on giving in the Bible is all about Old Testament law. Well, yes, it's in the law, but it's also in other places. But in the law, it was very clearly laid out to to the Israelites as they began their, 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 their journey out of, of um, Egypt and into the promised land, God was preparing them to be a self-sufficient nation that would grow and prosper. God told them, if you do what I say, if you follow the plans that I give you, if you live according to the, to the ideals, not the ideals of the Pharaoh from Egypt where you left, but the ideals of your God, if you follow, you will be blessed. If you, if you submit yourself to the lordship of God through the law, you will be blessed. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 26, today the Lord your God has commanded you to obey all these decrees and regulations. So be careful to obey them wholeheartedly. You have declared today that the Lord is your God and you have promised to walk in his ways and to obey his decrees, commands, and regulations and to do everything he tells you. The Lord has declared that today you are his people, his own special treasure, just as he promised and that you must obey all his commands. And if you do, he will set you high above all other nations he has made. Then you will receive praise, honor and renown you will be a nation that is holy to the lord your god just as he promised now i don't believe that you know uh that we have to that our our entrance into the kingdom of god or the way we belong to the kingdom of god is through doing all the you know following all the laws of god jesus said he 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 supersedes that because the truth of the matter is we can't keep all the law. Those of us who think we, um, 
we, we keep all the law. We just need to open our, our eyes a little bit. I watched a, a, um, uh, a documentary on Netflix. If you have Netflix, this is an interesting one to watch. It's called Dishonesty. You think you're an honest person? Watch it. You watch it. The subtle little ways that we as humans twist and bend the truth. And one of the laws of God is that we're not supposed to lie. Don't bear false witness. But you watch that documentary and tell me that you are always telling the truth in everything you say. Oh yeah, you wouldn't tell those blatant lies. Here was one that they set up. The, the, the research, based on research from a from a, uh, a university in the, in the United States. So they set up a uh, vending machine. And the vending machine didn't work properly. Okay, you put your coins in, and, uh, and, they, uh, and then you push the button, and your item fell out, and your coins came back. And there's a big sign on the vending machine. If this vending machine is not working properly, please call. They had a camera there, and they were testing. On average, people took four items out of the vending machine. <laughs> not very many people were really, really greedy. And they, nobody called the number there, but they did call their friends and tell their friends about the vending machine that was giving free items. You know, it's impossible. So God comes along, he sends Jesus to us, and by his grace we are saved, not by following the law. But what still remains about the law is, and about the, the commandments of God, in all of these areas, is that if you, if you start lining up your life according to the way God says you should live in all of these different areas, your life will be blessed, it will be better. You want that abundant life, you want that freedom, you want to thrive, you want, you want to experience all, then, then just start living one step at a time, living according to God's way. And not listening to that world system over there that says you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this. But listen to God, read your Bible. What does, what does, what does God say about our relationships? What does God say about our money? What does God say about what we eat and put into our bodies? That's in the law too. We don't follow those laws, but the principle of taking care of our bodies. In the New Testament, it doesn't talk about what we should eat. It tells us we can eat anything, but it tells us that our body is a temple, and we need to take care of it because we honor God with our bodies. So following, the, the, it hasn't changed. If we obey, if we live according to the principles and plans of God, our life will prosper. So today we're, we're thanksgiving. I don't believe you can be truly thankful unless your hands are open. You see, only a thankful person can be truly generous. And only a generous, uh, only a generous person will be truly thankful. Because if you're really holding on to it, you're not really showing gratitude to God for all that he's given you. If, you're, if your fists are closed tight, then you're not really um, 
able to thank God. You may be thankful for what specifically belongs to you. You may say, you may give thanks. You may say things, I'm glad I live in a country where we have lots of money, <laughs> where I can earn lots of money. But do we, do, are we thankful that we have so much that we're able to give away? You see, when our hearts are truly thankful, we become a conduit of gratitude through our generous living. With our time, with our talents, with our, with, our, with our kindness, with our respect for other human beings, we become that thankful person by doing that. And remember, Jesus said, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I'm going to invite the worship team back, and we're going to sing that song again um, in Christ alone. We've told you over the last few weeks that we're going to receive a special offering today. We've given you envelopes. They're in the seat in front of you for a Thanksgiving offering. And uh, this is a way for 